Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Are you a first-gen BIPOC undergraduate, graduate student, or working professional looking to work on your personal development and improve your productivity in a sustainable way? Then join my six-week Grad School Femtoring Academy, a group coaching program specifically designed to help first-gen BIPOCs overcome obstacles and achieve success in their personal and professional lives. Through weekly workshops, live group coaching sessions, tutorials, exercise, lots of bonuses, and a community of like-minded individuals, you'll receive the support you need to feel confident in your ability to meet your goals without sacrificing your wellness or burning out. The program is open for enrollment now, and the last day to sign up is May 4th. Please contact me at gradschoolfemtoring at gmail.com for more info. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, and today we have what is probably going to be a really relevant topic for this podcast community uh, and for me too, uh, which is on managing doubt and uncertainty, and specifically today we're going to talk about doubt and uncertainty in grad school. Uh, like I said, who hasn't felt doubt and uncertainty, right? Okay. Well, our guest today is Marisol Jimenez, and she is a first-generation college and graduate student and a daughter of immigrants. She is the co-founder of Academic Amigas, an Instagram page focused on providing free and accessible resources for women of color. Her research highlights the experiences of Latinx immigrant families and their experiences in Chicago public schools. I'm really happy to, to have you on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Marisol. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh, me too. Me too. So for the folks who want to get to know you a little bit more, myself included, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do? And especially whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your background and backstory and how you became who you are today. Yes. Um, well, as you said, I am a first generation college student. Um, both of my parents are immigrants from Michoacan in Mexico. And so, yeah, I guess my journey with graduate school and college, everything started um I guess when I was really young, I always wanted to be a journalist. I always wanted to be a writer to some capacity. And so I guess my relationship with writing was always really difficult as it is for a lot of us. Um, writing is very personal. And so I think that's that's where I kind of got the hang of like, as soon as I started going to college, I took a class on inequalities in education and it changed my life. I realized I could use my words for good and I could make an impact on like a lot of kids' lives. And so that's kind of how I decided to go to grad school at first. And 
going through that very first year as a master's student, I realized that what I was lacking the most was community. And so ever since then, I have been a community builder, both like at my institution and creating organizations for people who look like me, who think like me, and also online through Academic Amigas, building communities there for people who are across the US and sometimes even in Europe, and being able to just like feel and connect with other people who are like you. You know, it's um, really good that early on you knew to focus on community building and on creating the spaces that may not necessarily be there, because that actually can be a form of solace and support, especially when you're struggling. And if you're dealing with feelings of doubt, it, it helps to have someone else to to talk to about it, to share in that experience. And so um, I'm interested, we're going to talk about, about doubt and uncertainty, and I'm interested in hearing more about how your work with like building communities has shaped or impacted your thoughts on, on doubt. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but before we go and dive into the topic, I want to hear a little bit more about kind of what you mean or how you interpret doubt and uncertainty. When I think about it, um, for me, it's an experience of feeling a lack of confidence um, or maybe not feeling 100% confident in your decision to go to graduate school. I know I had those feelings where I was like, mm, did I make the right decision? Um, and sometimes it's a lack of confidence of being able to finish, especially if you're first gen, especially if you're not, you know, you don't, you're not familiar with the hidden curriculum. It's your first time working on all these milestones. Uh, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty with like, am I actually going to finish? And um, and then that adds to you feeling uncertainty and doubt. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Like what, when you think about uncertainty and doubt, like what are some of the, the things that come to mind for you? Yeah, I think like embarking on this journey of graduate school, especially as a first gen, you've never maybe you've never well obviously you've never had anyone do this before you and so asking the questions to the people who you know is very difficult because you don't have a lot of people to ask these questions to and so you spoke a little bit about the hidden curriculum right I think for me the most pivotal moment was like realizing that I don't know what I don't know like I was so far behind all of my peers because they were talking about things that I didn't even know existed or were important or the politics oh getting ahead in graduate school. And so you really do feel like this sense of like complete isolation from the life that you know back home, the life, the your parents, your community, everything that you know back home, it, you feel completely separated from them in graduate school. Often, we have to attend graduate school at predominantly white institutions in predominantly white neighborhoods, and with all when all your professors don't look like you, and so you are forced to be isolated and have to adapt to these new communities and to this new culture that you have, like that you know nothing about. And you, in that moment, and I think similar, like the way that I've thought about it is like I felt like I didn't belong. I like knew in my heart that I didn't belong because there was no way that like I could catch up to mm. be where all my peers were in time for me to be successful in this program. Mm. And I think like those moments of doubt 
like made it so difficult to speak up in class. Like I didn't speak up in my my seminars, at least for like the first two years, because I felt like whatever I had to say was never as insightful as what my peers had to say. And therefore, like I didn't want to take up space. I didn't want to take up time like this. The self-doubt affected me in my writing. I would sit in front of my computer for hours and I would not produce anything because I thought that no matter what I produced, it was never going to be good enough. And my professors were going to judge me and they were going to realize that like I was an imposter. Like I had just gotten by and someone accepted me because I was lucky or because I have a good personality and I'm outgoing. And that doubt like kept me, I think, from so many opportunities, like so many networking moments, so many mo moments where like I could have grown and developed as a scholar. Um, and I think that was difficult. I think, yeah, it wasn't until I like talked about it with my advisor, who's a black woman, um, that I think like my relationship with doubt really started to change. Yeah, I, I just want to take a minute really quick to affirm and validate your experience because what you said, I that could have come out of my mouth. And so many of us have that exact same, like that shared experience of, I didn't participate. I struggled with writing, even shame with writing, um, being told, sometimes like flat out told that we weren't good enough. And then feeling like, oh my gosh, it, it must have been a mistake. I must have been admitted by mistake. They're going to catch me. They're going to kick me out. Whatever it is, it's just those feelings are so, so common for a lot of us who are first gen. And then it gets further compounded if you're first gen and multiply oppressed or marginalized. So if you're first gen and BIPOC, if you're first gen and disabled and neurodivergent and queer, you name it. Um, so I just wanna say like, you're not, yeah, I'm sure you know from your community, you're not alone. And so it's, it's so frustrating that so many of us arrive in those, those moments of having those thoughts and feelings. And in that moment, you don't automatically think I'm not alone or I'm the only, you know, I'm one of many. Oftentimes, because there's so few of us in terms of representation, we feel like there's something wrong with us, uh, which is so untrue. So you were saying though, that you arrived at a point where you had your mentor and she like can you say a little bit more about how she helped you with kind of managing those feelings of doubt yes um so yes she is a world-renowned scholar in critical race theory um she's a black feminist I think I reached out to her once and I was like I just don't feel like I like I'm prepared enough to move on to the next stage it was a time for me to switch from my master's to my PhD and she was like what are you talking about like I've read your work and your work is amazing mm. and she's like you need to show up every day like you are that person you need to apply to the jobs that maybe you're not prepared for but you apply for them and then you prepare yourself to become that woman like you you need to always think about yourself that way like you can't leave your like your name out of any hat, you need to put yourself at all of the tables. And I think for me hearing it from her that she truly like her that she's read my work that she's talked with me, that she saw in me what I couldn't see in myself at the moment was complete, like it completely changed the way that I think about it. And I think after that, like, 
even having self-doubt in like starting new projects, passion projects, like academic amigas or other things like I does doubt creep in? Yes, I think it's a normal reaction for all of us to feel uncomfortable when we start something new, something that we've never done before. But I always tell myself like, why why can't it be me? Like why mm-hmm. why is it impossible for me to be a professor or for me to be a great writer? Like the only thing that's between me and all of my goals is like all of the work that I put in in the middle. Like all of the hours that I spend reading and preparing myself, all of the hours that um, I try to like I put into these projects, like that is where my end goal is going to come from. And I just I believe like most of the time, even with the doubt, like I think the one of the things that I struggled with the most um, was rejection. So -hmm. on top of your doubt, you already tell yourself like I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. Am I going to make it? Am I going to be a professor? And then you get a rejection and this rejection just knocks you down, right? You're like, they were right. I'm not good enough. I I can't perform at the same level as my peers. But I think I've looked at rejection completely differently. I think I took all of them very personally in the past. Mm-hmm. And I learned that, that not to take them personally. All of I think whatever journey is set for me now is already put in place and whatever isn't for me whatever opportunity money grant fellowship is not for me it was never supposed to be for me but i have an abundance mindset now and i know that there is an abundance of opportunities and just because one of them doesn't work out for me doesn't necessarily mean that like there isn't going to be something better um and all like rejection is redirection Yeah. The other thing that when you say that, that it reminds me of is the importance of developing a growth mindset, because a lot of us um, develop the opposite of that, where we associate failure as an inability to be able to do something. And so we avoid failure at all costs, whereas other folks may acknowledge that failure is part of the process. And then the more you fail, the more you learn and grow. Um, and that can help a lot. And because especially in academia, there's a lot of rejection, like you said. Um, so, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm glad that you mentioned the abundance mindset. I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the, the different ways that you're seeing it to kind of reframe these things that have made you feel doubt. I'm wondering, you mentioned, so the example of coursework, you mentioned the example of, um, you know, getting rejections, you mentioned the writing, uh, in what other ways does uncertainty or doubt kick in for you? And what are some strategies or tips that are helping you with dealing with these feelings? Yeah, I think during coursework specifically, um, well, I guess I'll start at as you know, I run an Instagram and I try to provide support and services for women of color to go to graduate school. And oftentimes I get asked, like, how do you know if graduate school is right for you? And honestly, I would I am 100 percent supportive of all of us getting more education, but always with the understanding that like 
is it going to lead you to the career and the life that you want for yourself? Because graduate school is, it will take like all of your emotional energy, like your, your finances are going to struggle. There's so many parts of you that you feel like are on hold. And I think those are real doubts that you need to take into consideration when you're considering what path you want to go down. And I think during my coursework for me, like I reached a point where I was like, should I even finish this degree? I want to focus on education policy. I can get an education policy job without a PhD. Um, so why am I even getting one? Is this right for me? Do I want to go through another four years of like emotional damage of just of academic oh. hazing of like financial instability? Like, is it worth it in the end for the life that I, that I like envision for myself? And I think- like that is healthy doubt. Those are questions mm -hmm. that you should ask yourself that you should consider, especially if you have to pay for your graduate program, right? Like how much, like, can we take alternate routes? And that's, I think that's real. So I think for me becoming comfortable, even with those feelings of doubt, it's the same as like becoming comfortable with the feelings of like sadness and anger, like those feelings come up and they're inevitable. And so how can I like honor those feelings? Like I, I feel you, I understand you. Like, like I understand myself that I'm anxious about this new opportunity or this new job or this program. And, and also at the same time, like I believe in myself and I believe in my capabilities and um, I want to support myself. And so I think some of the things that I've done to kind of build up that like support system for myself has been my community. Yeah. Um, when I, I think especially recently, I just took my qualifying exams. I was, it was two weeks of torture for me. Um, I had been preparing for these exams for like five months. And in those five months, I also took a month off and I traveled to Thailand and everyone was like, you're making a mistake you should be preparing. You're never going to pass if you're taking all this time off. And I was like, I believe in myself. I think I can do it. Like, if not now, then when? And so I think in those moments of doubt, like one of the things I do is save all of my letters of recommendation that I've received over the years. And when I am down in the dirt, I go back and I read the letters of recommendation and I'm like, they're writing about this person. And I'm like, who is that person? Mm -hmm. And it's me, but but that's how people look at me and that's how people perceive me. I I am someone who like gets things done and I am able to be critical. And so I think reading those letters of recommendation give me like the confidence sometimes that I need when I'm really struggling. Or I reach out to a friend and like a friend who knows my abilities and just hearing them talk about me or support me is is so great. And honestly, most of all, like in between both of those, one thing that I've always done when I'm like really struggling is call my mom. Like, mm -hmm. you don't know how many times I've called my mom at like the th at three in the morning mm -hmm. when um, I've been working all night and I'm like crying and I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And she's like, you can do it and and I think in between all of those they've, they've kept me afloat when I think I really struggle um 
I write like affirmations for myself and I keep them in front of the mirror. And for me, like a combination of, of all of them are what have kept me going. Those are really, really great tips. It's real. It's also um, funny because someone I know um, who's a, an oral historian and speaker recently gave a workshop on imposter syndrome and how to combat it. And one of her tips or strategies was keep a file, a folder with all of your letters of rec. And anytime you start to have those feelings creep up, go and reread them and remind yourself that that's you and that you, you know, that you, you've got this, like that there's, there's no reason for you to doubt yourself that you, you've done it before you can do it again. Um, so <laughs> just, it just reminded me of that. My version of that is called a brag bank. And I keep a folder with just all the positive notes. It's not just letters of rec. It's any just nice emails. I'll send, I'll put screenshots of DMs that I direct messages I get um, of folks and the impact that I've made in their lives. And all that reminds me of like who I am, my purpose, my strengths, and it helps. I, I also want to touch on um, another part of, fear and uncertainty or doubt and uncertainty. I don't want to um, make, I want to make sure that we do touch on this because it can happen and it does happen for folks in grad school. Sometimes people feel doubt and uncertainty because they actually want to leave the program and it can be scary for them to share that and disclose that very vulnerable, like with other people when they're having really serious, um, concerns over whether or not they want to stay or leave and probably their gut is telling them that they want to leave graduate school um and so I I mean I, I'm curious about your thoughts on that I don't know if you yourself have had any peers colleagues friends or folks who you've known who have left I know I have during my time in graduate school and even um after in mentoring, advising, mentoring, and um, working with clients. I, I, I've known a fair share of folks who have either left their graduate programs, transferred to other programs, or left graduate school altogether to pursue different career paths. Um, and I just want to like validate anybody who may be having those thoughts um, and let them know that it's okay if that's happening. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious like about your take on it, because I, I feel like you have a pretty strong sense of conviction of like, I, I know why I'm in grad school and I want to finish. And you've got your toolbox of things to do to manage the, the doubt. But in the case of someone who maybe is not feeling as sure um, and leaning more towards, I don't think this is right for me. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I I did recently have a friend who, you know, we, we spent so many hours talking through, should I leave or should I stay? And I think I will say, if this degree comes at the expense of your mental health, then 100% you should leave. I think there nothing in the world, no amount of money, no amount of degrees are worth your mental stability. Mm -hmm. And I think that some like academia can be so violent and harmful to people of color, to women of color, um, that sometimes we we are forced to make the difficult decision of 
having to leave and sometimes like you can be in such a toxic environment that no like letter of recommendations and no like positive notes to yourself and no calls from from your mom can be enough for you to survive in a space that is just never going to be good for you and honestly I I also think that like all of like me being able to have all of this conviction and positivity is also because I predominantly I think not like actually 100% in the last three years have only worked with women of color. Um, I have very good positive experiences as far as that. But for my peers who don't, I think we weighed out the pros and the cons. And like I said, there was no amount of yoga and meditation that can get you out of being in such a toxic place. And sometimes like either... A, you're so burned out and you need to take a semester off to like get your mind right, get your heart right, get your body right, like just be in a better mental space to come back. Mm. Or, and during that time, I think it allows you the time to have reflection on um, whether or not like this is for you. Mm. I recognize that academia is not, is never going to save us. It's never going to save us. It's, it's never going to love us back. And so it's never going to be worth you going through depression or suffering like a lot of mental health stuff for this degree that's never going to love you back. And so, so yes, I think taking the time off is also really hard because you feel you can have feelings of like, I failed or like other people haven't had to do this, but I do, but everyone else doesn't matter. Like the only person that matters is you and no one is going to judge you for taking time off. Like at the end of the day, the only person that you need to worry about making happy is yourself. And I think for first gen students, like for my friend, for example, of course her parents are immigrants. They want to see her finish, of course. But I was like, your parents didn't immigrate to this country for you to be a PhD student. They just wanted a better life for you. Mm. And that it doesn't matter what that life looks like. As long as you are happy, you are already living a better life. And that that just needs to be like a constant reminder. Um, on the other side of that, like if you need to leave because of yourself, I completely support it. I think. The only time that I thought about leaving was because I had a very toxic professor who was very negative to me. And um, I did really consider leaving because there was he had told me, like, the only reason you've made it this far at that point, I was like a second year PhD. Um, is because people feel bad for you and they don't want to fail you because you're a woman of color. And man. Ugh. I remember crying like hysterically for days. I printed out the papers. I went to go see my advisor and she was like, he's a fucking idiot. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and we dealt with the problem there and then. And she was like, never let anyone tell you. She, because the truth is that like people will always tell you that you're not good enough. And like, it's up to you to believe in yourself, like to try harder, to do more, to just like, 
surround yourself with people who who like your work. Not everyone is going to like your work at the end of the day, and that's fine. My work and the research and the critical work that I do is not everyone's cup of tea. That's okay with me because I know that like I'm making a difference with what I do. But yeah, I think as far as doubt and leaving, um, it is up to the person. And if you've reached a, a place where you absolutely do not have anyone in your program who can support you and it is affecting you so much, then it's definitely time to take a break, leave. You can reapply um, elsewhere, but definitely taking care of yourself first. I um, There's not a lot that I can add because I feel like you provided really good advice and insight. But one thing in terms of what you said that kind of I appreciate is that you didn't just go with like a black and white answer. You allowed room for the gray. So instead of saying like, hey, if you want to, you know, leave your program, you can. You said, you know what? It's okay if you're having doubts. It's also okay to take a break. It's also okay to go on leave and that it's okay to sit in that gray, gray area while you decide. And I am a big fan of that, of of kind of allowing yourself to be in the gray for as long as you need to be and to really sit and think and figure out what it is that you want and to do and make decisions out of your own um, life goals, out of your own like intuition, out of what feels right for you and your life and not what other people are like projecting onto you or expecting of you. It's not because someone's saying, you are terrible at this and don't belong here or it's not because um you know some I don't know because you're being made to feel like you are not uh meant to be there like it, it should ultimately come from you um so yeah I really I really like that and I like just like you I'm a big fan of kind of affirming validating supporting folks if and when they decide to leave um, any spaces that no longer serve them, because I've been that person too. And I've also been on the, uh, in terms of being that person re re on the receiving end of folks saying, no, don't leave or no, like the guilt, the kill trip of like, you're going to regret it or like, um, you're going to miss out or students are going to miss out on blah, 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 because of you not doing X or whatever it is. But really, at the end of the day, it should be what works best for you. So um, I don't know. I think what I'm taking away from this conversation about doubt and uncertainty is that a lot of times it's a, it's sending us a message, you know, like something is up right now. Why am I feeling this doubt? And it's getting to the root of that. Like, you know, in your case, it's like I had this toxic professor who was unhelpful and said some things that were not only not only rude but completely untrue and to the point where like making you consider whether or not you want to stay in that program and you were able to you know push through work with other mentors now you've been surrounded by women of color um mentors who have been supporting you and now like you have that sense of again like I, I, I sense that you have more confidence in who you are, what you're doing and in finishing your program. Um, and that's really great. Um, but 
it was that message of like, okay, why am I feeling this way? It's not coming from me. It's coming from someone else. They're projecting things onto me. They're not true. And so I'm moving on. And so in anybody else's case, I guess it's just uh, the last thing I want to say about this is try to get to the root of like, what is it that um, your thoughts and feelings are, are trying to say to you? what's going on, what's bringing this up, and then work on the tools, strategies, support systems to help you overcome whatever those hurdles are. So um, we're getting close to wrapping up, Marisa. So I'm wondering if you have any other closing words on this topic of doubt, uncertainty that is so, so common, not just in grad school, but I think in life. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, and and I was... I mean, I think my therapist taught me this, that like when people spew out negative things at you, it's usually not about you and it's probably about them. So I always remind myself that when people are being mean to me, someone was probably mean to him when he was in grad school and he's like, I want to continue being like a hard professor and teaching them the hard way. Well, guess what? We're not going to keep doing that. We're not going to keep causing trauma on people, we're going to be helpful and supportive. Um, I think for my ending message, like, you know, I hope that I can leave you with at least like a little bit of hope, like to always believe in yourself and your capabilities. Doubt is always going to surround us. But I also think we have the ability to acknowledge our doubt, sit with our doubt, celebrate our doubt. And move past it like I acknowledge you I see you but what if I just like bet on myself I consistently am betting on myself like if I don't bet on myself and my success and like no one else is going to do it for me and I am a firm believer that like everything in the world is constantly working in my favor and so it's okay. Like I believe in myself. If I try and I fail, then I celebrate the failure too, because, and then it gives me the ability to keep trying. And so I hope that if we can learn anything is to make sure that you don't, you know, that you're not alone. We've all felt it in so many different ways. Like we felt out in so many different parts of our lives and, and, and we have gone past it. Yes. That is a great way to close today's episode. So before we go, uh, for folks who want to stay in touch, follow you, follow your work, follow Academic Amigas, how can they reach you? How can they support you? How can they follow your work? Yeah, um, well, you, I have a article coming out, hopefully in the next three months. So you can look that up um, Scholar. <laughs> Uh, under Marisol Jimenez and also if you just want to join another community um, me and Ana have Academic Amigas on Instagram and TikTok and we hold weekly co-working hours and different community spaces where other women of color can share our experiences and just learn how to support each other and provide resources. We'll make sure to add those links to today's show notes so that everybody can follow and if you have the the your article uh, reference, I can add that so that folks can read it too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marisol, for coming on the show, for sharing your story, your knowledge, your experience with us. It's been really, really nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today.
Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half-hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right, one free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school fam touring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtouring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at gradschoolfemtouring. Thanks again and until next time.